Across the sands of time, through the echoes of prophets and apostles, emerges a tapestry of tales and truths. Bridging ancient wisdom with modern wonder, this is your invitation to the sacred journey of Stories for Skeptics. Hello fellow travelers, my name is Cleet, and I'm your guide on this expedition of faith. Every story, every parable, every verse, they aren't just words. They're doorways to deeper understanding, landmarks of human history, and beacons of deeper spiritual enlightenment. So whether you're a skeptic, a believer, or somewhere in between, let's journey together into the heart of the Bible, uncovering its mysteries and marvels, one revelation at a time. Welcome to Stories for Skeptics. All right, in today's episode, we're going back, way back, all the way to the beginning. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, in an episode called, In the Beginning, Genesis, Doubt, and Creation. Now, many of us are familiar with the beginning verses of the Bible. Uh, but maybe we've you know read it several times, have heard it a lot, but we haven't really, truly unpacked what's going on. So let's set the scene. The vast expanse of nothingness, a canvas of pure potential... Then a voice, the voice, God's voice, pierces the silence, a proclamation, let there be light. From void to vibrancy, from chaos to cosmos, the creation story as narrated in the book of Genesis isn't just about the inception of the world. It echoes a pattern seen again in the journey of the Israelites, a transition from slavery to freedom, from disorder to order, resonating the central theme that their God is a chaos tamer. But why start here? Every word, every sentence in Genesis carries weight. It's not just an account of our world's inception, but an initiation into the mysteries of divine purpose. Genesis challenges us. It provokes our imaginations. And for many of us, it's foundational to our faith, yet is also a bedrock for doubt. So where does doubt fit in? I mean, are we even allowed to question, wrestle with, or challenge this narrative and still find a place within it? Absolutely. Doubt isn't the antithesis of faith. It's often its companion. I mean, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, they all wrestled and questioned, and yet we would consider them giants of the faith. So let's just stop. Stop it with the foolishness that we can't ask questions of the text of God and of this story. I think God can handle it. I know the Bible can handle it. And I think the question to doubt is normal and really essential to a growing and vibrant faith. So as we read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, we must remember that these ancient writers were not concerned about our modern questions, even though I know as modern readers, we have lots of questions. So before we dive in a little bit more to Genesis, let's address a few of those nagging questions, those doubts that linger in the back of our minds whenever we read or hear the creation narrative. Maybe one of the most prominent or one of the first questions we have is about this idea of a seven-day chronology. Is Genesis truly recounting a literal seven-day sequence of the universe's inception? The ancient Hebrews, like many cultures of their time, often used poetic and symbolic language to convey deeper truths. So while some believe in a literal seven-day creation, many scholars and theologians view the days of creation as literary structures, aiming to convey God's orderly and purposeful act of creation. John Walton a modern Old Testament scholar who focuses on ancient Near Eastern contexts of the Bible, tends to argue that Genesis 1 is not really about a literal translation of seven days, but it's about 
and not even the material origins, but really about assigning functions. And this idea that Genesis 1 as ancient, cos ancient cosmology doesn't attempt to describe cosmology in modern terms or address modern questions. And then another question a lot of times that we face as Bible readers or believers or even skeptics as we're trying to figure out what's true and what we believe is this idea of science and scripture. Man, are those things like oil and water or, or where did does the biblical creation narrative align or diverge from scientific theories like the Big Bang or evolution? Well, many folks have come to think that maybe they don't diverge as much as we thought. In fact, maybe they can prop each other up and go together in a certain sense. My thought is the Bible tells us the why and who of creation, whereas science informs us about the how. Or to quote N.T. Wright from his book Surprised by Scripture, Science takes things apart to see how they work, but religion puts things together to see what they mean. And lastly, and perhaps the most profound question is, why? What's the purpose? Why in all the vastness of the universe would God choose to create? I mean, what's the end game? And while the biblical text isn't a Q&A session with God, it does reverberate with themes of love, relationship, and purpose. And the very act of crafting humanity in God's likeness in the establishment of the Sabbath, it all hints at God's desire for a loving, reciprocal relationship with what he created. And I would say these questions aren't just intellectual pursuits. They're much more. They're really about our hearts, our yearnings, our quest to find meaning. As we journey through these stories, these sacred narratives, we're going to continue to engage with our doubts, to wrestle, to question, and hopefully come a little bit closer to understanding. And every beginning is set against a backdrop. In Genesis, it's chaos. The Hebrew phrase is tahu vabohu, this idea of formlessness and void. That's the canvas before the masterpiece. And I would say this, this tale in Genesis chapter 1 isn't just the world's, but it's ours. It's got beginnings, wanderings, loss, rediscovery. And isn't that the rhythm of life? We start, we wander. Sometimes we lose our way, but then a glimmer, a trace, a path back. Israel's very story mirrors this. Birth from promise, they wander, they lose their way, but they are called back. Always called back. So let's ponder that phrase for a second, tahu vabohu. That Hebrew phrase from Genesis that depicts formlessness and void, that signifies chaos. What we see in the text is God shapes this chaos. He molds it into order, into a world. And when many of us think of the creation story, we've kind of been ingrained with this notion of creatio ex nihilo, a Latin phrase meaning creation out of nothing. And it's a profound idea suggesting that everything, the vast galaxies, the roaring oceans, the tiniest microorganisms came into being purely from God's command without any pre-existing material. But as we look at the text, we kind of see a slightly different picture. Before God's first command, there is mention of darkness over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God hovering over the waters. So this seems to suggest not a complete void, but a formless, watery chaos waiting to be shaped. In contrast to many ancient cosmogonies, where gods battled sea monsters or contended with primordial entities, the Hebrew God speaks order into the chaos without conflict. No battles, no opposition, just divine intentionality. Well, why does this matter? This narrative shift underscores a pivotal truth about the nature of God presented in Genesis. One of supreme authority and unmatched power, yet also of purpose 
and deliberation. And in the ancient world, in the Bible, something came into existence when it was separated out as a distinct entity, given a function, and named. And this distinct perspective sets the biblical narrative apart, where other ancient stories like the Enuma Elish from the Babylonian mythology spoke of tumultuous beginnings, with God's warning against chaotic entities. The Bible's rendition provides serenity, a calm reassurance of God's capability. And as Walton further notes, Genesis isn't about the material origins of our world. It's about the establishment of its God-ordained functions and order. And in contrast to these combative creation narratives, the Hebrew scripture in its foundational chapter captures the voice of a God who speaks and it is done, who commands and it stands firm. Such an image emphasizes not only God's raw power, but also his profound intentionality and purpose. So the betrayal of God in Genesis then is not just as a cosmic craftsman, but as the master composer of a harmonious symphony, bringing each part into its perfect place. And I mean, how many of us find ourselves at times in chaos? Financial worries, health concerns, fractured relationships. It can feel like the waters of uncertainty are threatening to pull us under. But we can remember this, that just as God spoke order into the primordial chaos, so too can his voice bring order to our disarray. I mean, if you've ever watched Bob Ross's The Joy of Painting, you've seen chaos transformed into beauty, a seemingly random brushstroke suddenly becomes a majestic tree or a serene cabin. Order from chaos, beauty from randomness. Science, too, speaks this language. From the dance of particles at a quantum level emerges the predictability of Newtonian physics on a micro scale. And even amidst the seeming randomness of the universe, patterns emerge. Orbits, ecosystems, DNA sequences. There's an underlying order, a blueprint. I don't know about you, I find comfort in order and in patterns. The predictability of the sunrise, the four seasons, the rhythm of our own heartbeats. But I think we also recognize that true growth, real innovation, often emerges from that chaotic, from the unpredictable. And it's in the friction between order and chaos that we discover the divine dance of creation. So Genesis 1, in the beginning, this isn't just a start to a chapter, it's the prelude to the to everything else. But it's not just about how it all began. It's about why, purpose, meaning, love. So as our narrative starts with a formless void and darkness over deep waters, and then we have a voice, the voice, God's voice, and he speaks and the light pierces the darkness. Ask yourself, how often do we find ourselves in that place of darkness, yearning for a glimmer of hope? Genesis tells us it's there. It's always been there. Light. And this dance of light and darkness, form and feeling, is a poetry of divine craftsmanship. Before humanity even enters the scene, there's a grace in the rhythmic formation of the world, an anticipatory grace awaiting our arrival. And in these ancient Near Eastern cosmologies, water symbolized chaos. Yet the Spirit of God hovers over these waters. It's an incredible image. God, not distantly removed, but intimately engaged with the chaos, ready to bring forth order and beauty. And Tim Keller often spoke in piercing wisdom of the gospel as a story of restoration. And here in Genesis 1, we find the original intent. A world designed for harmony. Waters receding, land emerging, vegetation sprouting, a stage set 
for a masterpiece. And each day's creation resonates with intentionality. But it's not just about the individual elements. It's about relationships, light and darkness, sky and sea, land and life, a cosmic tapestry of interwoven threads. We get this image of yes and, both and, rather than either or, which I know sometimes we like to draw stark lines in the sand. It's either this or that. And God seems to be saying from the very start, no, yes, and. A symbiotic dance of elements, each vital, each contributing. And then when we come to the creation of humanity, the tone shifts. Let us make mankind in our image. N.T. Wright often emphasizes the vocation of human beings in his writings and his, his talks. And here humanity is endowed with a sacred vocation to steward, to guard, to love. Being made in God's image isn't just about looking divine. It's about acting divine, reflecting God's love, justice, and creativity. So we too are called to be stewards of order, to cultivate the garden, to nurture relationships, to bring forth beauty from chaos in our spheres of influence. And Genesis invites us into this grand narrative, not as passive observers, but as active participants. And the creation story has been told in various forms and cultures around the world, from ancient epics to modern cinema. It's in science, the Big Bang Theory the scientific testament to the universe's dramatic beginning, but in each of these narratives, in essence, it grapples with our profound need to understand our origins. And what we find is that the creation narrative in Genesis offers hope that out of chaos can come order, out of formlessness can emerge beauty, and from the void, purpose can spring forth. So as you move into your week, where can you be an agent of order? Maybe it's tidying a space, mending a relationship, or simply taking a breath amid the storm. Remember, you're crafted in the image of the ultimate order bringer, the supreme chaos tamer. So in your life's chaos, where can you find order? How can the creation story inspire you to find purpose in the formless and void moments of your journey? So as we wrap up, I'll leave you with another bit from N.T. Wright that I think sums up this journey we are on. He says... One of the wonderful things about the Bible is the way no generation can complete the task of studying and understanding it. We never get to a point where we can say, well, the theologians have sorted it all out, so we'll just put the results in our pockets or on the shelves, and the next generation won't have to worry. They can just pull it out and look it up. No, the Bible seems designed to challenge and provoke each generation to its own fresh business, to struggle and wrestle with the text. So may we all continue to struggle and wrestle with this great text. Thank you for joining us today on Stories for Skeptics. Keep exploring, keep questioning, and perhaps believe. Until next time, see you.